0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the sixth episode of the Concern Dabs podcast. I am your host, Katie M. Kane. With me is my co-host, Will Terps. Yo yo. So tonight's episode is about lab testing. So we have two guests. One is Paul Swift from Chem History and Swift Solutions Consulting. And we also have Anthony Smith from EVO Labs, uh, which I came to find out, bought out MRX last year. Um, uh, used to rock with MRX a lot when I was a medical grower in Oregon, so it's cool to hear they made some money, but uh talking to that Paul guy too, it sounds like they have more labs in more than one country, so um nice. yeah. Nice. Or Ant- yeah, Anthony Smith. Um what uh? How do you feel about lab testing in Oregon? Will I mean you're you're a salesperson and everything, so
1: yeah. Um, I mean yeah. i th- I feel like it's um pretty advanced for the most part. You know, in terms of just like what's required to get products on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, the fact that Oregon requires you to test for you know hundreds of different pesticides. Um, you know, as well as uh, you know, potency obviously, uh, and one thing that could be improved. I'm, I'm pretty sure that they don't test. Um, there's not too high, um, too high of limits for for like mold counts. I think they are. I mean, I think they have like high limits for colony forming units with like mold counts because uh, um, a lot of the outdoor. Yeah. But, um, in general, just the um, you know, mainly with the the extensive. Pesticide testing, you know, that's like I've said before, that's more than um, you know, our food gets tested for, you know, that's more pesticides our food than our food gets tested for. So
0: I agree. Um, that's crazy. any when I'd be behind the counter, that's what I would tell folks too, is like this is still safer than whatever you buy at the grocery store.
1: Exactly. It exactly. went through
0: more it went through more tests to get on this shelf than that food did to get on the shelf at Safeway or Fred Myers or whatever. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um and then do you think that well I mean I've heard you guys say this before but uh as far as customer point of view you think a lot of emphasis is placed placed on the THC or CBD number on the lab test
1: Definitely yeah um you know bud tenders and and myself do, do our best to to educate people um you know the THC isn't everything um, yes. and, um, but you know, there's a lot of people that come in and just still don't, you know, they don't, they won't take any advice. You know, they know what they want. They want their, you know, highest THC and and what's they don't want 30%. You
0: don't have you know, anything 30.
1: Exactly. They don't want to stray from that. Um, <laughs> a question I use, uh, I like to ask people though, is, um, you know, if people directly ask me like what, what's the highest THC you have right now, um, is I'll respond, you know, I'll say, um, do you want the highest THC or what's going to get you the highest? Uh, because oftentimes, you know, the, the strongest, um, or most potent strain we have is, um, not the highest testing.
0: Correct, sir. Correct. Yeah. It's about those Terps too, man. It's a, a synergistic effect. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's everything in combination together is going to, Yep
1: that entourage effect with the terpenes
0: yeah yeah that's why dude when i smoke distillate carts i just yeah i feel kind of high but it just doesn't feel the same man like there's a whole bunch of stuff missing you know
1: yeah it's very monotone for sure yeah
0: like yeah i don't really groove on that too much um we should have our first guest calling in on the 800 number here within a couple of minutes. Um, One thing I wanted to share about lab testing too is I live down here in Phoenix, Arizona right now. And there, I think potency is required and that's it. And there's no residual pesticide test whatsoever to get on the shelf. And it's still a medical state, you know, it's medical cannabis at a medical dispensary. Yeah, that didn't go through a residual pesticide test, so it just gives me cause for concern. You know, like I'm, I'm I don't know, man. Like, I especially the oil too. You know, yeah. like,
1: oh yeah, no, I mean, yeah. If you're gonna call it, you know, if it's gonna be a medical program, you know, truly make it about the medicinal aspect of it. You know, have have some sort of standard for. Um, you know, like products that get to shelves and that patients will, you know, eventually be ingesting or smoking.
0: No doubt. Um, So we should have Anthony, or, or excuse me, Paul Smith. Has he called in yet over there, Mitchell? On the Grasshopper app? Looks like Mitchell's doing something over there. Okay, he says he's calling right now. So, um, I don't know much about any other states other than uh, when Washington first went wreck, they didn't check for that many pesticides. Mm -hmm. And And then they got more stringent a year or two later. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. But I don't know much about Cali's regulations or... Anywhere else in the Midwest or East Coast that's just uh just now starting to turn over
1: totally
0: is there out there where you're at will is there residual pesticide test on what's on the shelf or is it just potency too?
1: There is I believe I'm not too keen on the the testing laws out here, but I believe there is um uh you know pesticide testing. I don't think it's anywhere close to as stringent as organs, obviously. And yeah, I, I don't think it's um super, you know, I don't think there's a long list of uh pesticides that they test for, let's put it that way.
0: Uh okay. All right. Um and then like selection you said is still pretty slim.
1: Yeah, it's getting better. Um I was checking um the menu of a local spot the other day and they actually had twenty strains available. So um that's a you know that's a pretty good amount um that's definitely a step up from what i've seen what i'd seen before um but yeah still the the spot that i like to go to most um still just has like six or seven strains at a time um but it's some pretty good ones uh, i just got some Trainwreck wreck the other day which is actually pretty bomb
0: nice dude nice super cool all right, so uh we had a technical difficulty patching him into the call. We're going to attempt this one more time, ladies and gentlemen. Um So, what else what like what kind of questions are you going to ask tonight, Will?
1: Um you know, I have a few questions in mind, um just about I don't know. Um volume of product and, and batch testing in particular um, with Oregon can get tricky um, yeah. because I, I don't think they have, um, you know, ways to make it, um, you know, uh, make sense for like the, the growers and the, the edible makers and the, you know, the concentrate makers that, you know, get their um, all their stuff tested by them because, uh, you know, I think they have to pay, you know multiple batch test uh like for multiple batch tests um rather than you know being able to pay just like one set price for you know instead of having to break it up um but kind of want to know more about that
0: okay so still technical difficulties uh we're gonna try and call him apologize for the inconvenience, ladies and gentlemen. We really want to uh ask these guys some questions because I don't really know much about it. will I've never worked in one of those places. I've just you sent know. in samples as a grower and a dispensary manager so i uh yeah. okay, hello. can you hear us, Paul? So can you state your uh your name, the state you're in, and the company you work for?
2: chem history uh laboratories located
0: and that's the company that i work for nice nice chem history i always thought their name was dope just because it's like chemistry <laughs> you know what i mean and it's like now nah, <laughs> exactly. let's, let's separate it and it's it's like a history of what happened. yeah alex the, the,
2: alex the owner for that came up with that and they've been around for about almost five years now
0: that's dope, man. That's dope. And so you also have a consulting company, correct?
2: Yes, absolutely. Swiss Solutions. Um, currently, it's kind of trying to be an answer to some of the needs for the industry, which I felt like weren't being met for some of our customers, which is an easy source for science consulting, kind of answering any kind of questions related to um Processing or production that normally uh, companies are having trouble outsourcing work to, but trying to fill that niche a little bit with with solutions. I appreciate. It. No
0: doubt, no doubt, man. Well, you got game, man. You you might as well uh, charge
2: for it, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm trying to. I when I worked in the industry on the processing side, of more of things. Um, one of the biggest problems is not having testing equipment around um easily accessible to a facility to do a research and development and kind of um you know uh, increase the the production of their process or whatever and they always have to send out tests to a laboratory company and wait a couple of weeks for results yeah. and it's really hard to adjust a process that way but um, yeah, working with a lab directly is a can be a good solution for that problem.
0: I agree. So do you guys do like uh, like monthly fee or something? Like you can send in 10 samples or something like that for this monthly fee and everything is within um, a week yeah, or something we'll like always,
2: that? We'll always work with people. Um, one of the major uh, testing distinguishes that we make is for full compliance testing which is required by the state in order to sell a sample in the rec market or the medical market, depending on what your game is. Um, but we also do advisory testing, which is um, not regulated by the state and um, can be done for much cheaper generally. And people are bunching a bunch of R&D samples together. they will get a much better discount.
0: Uh, that's cool. So it's just like potency without everything else or something?
2: Exactly. Or for some reason, somebody's process is investigating, you know, pesticides through their process. We can do that as well. But generally, it's it's potency for people's, you know, trying to refine a recipe or something like that. We're noticing that a lot of people are requiring tightening up of the tolerances of um, making products. So you can't have such overages or underages and still get it to market. So that's kind of a thing people are learning that they have to dial it in a lot better and have a lot more stringent standard operating procedure for their process.
0: Word, so like does so does the chemical composition change over time? Is that why the the lab test is only good for six months?
2: Um, that could very well be, um, especially in the hemp um, where and and is it six is months? Made, is that correct? Turns- Um, I, I'd have to check exactly, I think six months, but I know for some things we offer a year. Um, I think
1: it's a year. It it depends what uh,
2: you're looking at. Okay. What's that? I said, okay. Yeah. About a year, I think for control studies, which allows people to, um, test uh, the same, if they have an in-house process, they can test the same product and, um, They kind of get the benefit of the doubt from the state if they do a one-time testing that has a large population of samples and the state has a, keeps a record of it for one year. And then they say, okay, we'll vouch for this product for one year from today. And that generally helps also reduce testing burden on companies.
0: That's cool, man. Yeah,
2: cost is a big thing for companies too.
0: So you, you were an extractor is that I was, my cookie cutter question is uh, how did you find <laughs> yourself in, in this part of the industry? Like you were, you were yeah, an extractor absolutely. first. And then what yeah, what is your um, education like?
2: You're a chemist. Yeah. My uh, schooling backgrounds in chemical engineering. And I was actually in pursuit of a uh, more traditional professional track at the time when, uh, I had an internship in Colorado when the medical cannabis was kind of just getting off the ground. And, um, I took Die. an interest in making concentrates, um, which weren't really a- around very much back then. And, um, that kind of is what attracted me to the industry to be able to use all the higher schooling for, um, you know, promoting cannabis industry. Cause I come from Arizona, which didn't have as friendly of an industry and, um yeah that was part it's of the still not that friendly to was to <laughs> get a difference
0: <laughs> yeah dude Oregon is a much much different place I, I feel like uh the difference too is being allowed to cultivate like everybody in Oregon can grow four plants yeah. now so everybody is you know it's like why not man get some pots of dirt yeah. and see what it do but it's you can do Absolutely. that down here in Arizona. Not even with a medical card, you have to live 25 miles from a dispensary to even attempt um, cultivation, nice. or or own a dispensary and have a production facility next to your retail. So it just re, really large yeah, barriers good. to entry for anybody who wants to grow their own, and that's that's what I uh, I feel like that's the difference in what's on the shelf too. You know what I mean? If if more patients were able to grow their own, grow their own, the they would know what they're looking at and demand better, you know.
2: Yeah, they could Definitely. participate with it a little bit more. I mean, in Oregon, you can you can the dispensaries they'll sell baby um, vegetative cannabis plants.
1: You know, yeah, make the whole dude.
2: growing easier for people. They really do
0: try
1: to yeah. provide access.
2: Yeah, clones
0: are um, for real. That's big business, man. West. Shout out yeah, to West no, Coast clinics.
2: Is... Yeah, <laughs> no, but it like access is very game. important. And when you don't give people access to the necessary medicine, it you know they end up having to pay a lot more for things that aren't helping them, and look for yeah.
0: solutions. And... Okay, so I'm gonna skip around here to another question. Um, okay. How many how many pesticides do Oregon labs screen for?
2: I, I, and I was reading over the, the questions I, I think you sent me before, and I think it's 60 right now. Um, okay. I know that uh, the state allows you to test for more pesticides, and, like, uh, our lab, for example, brought an additional 15 pesticides that we have the capability to test for, um, but right now it's about 60 pesticides
0: and then, so you guys are also Oralap accredited. What was the transition like going from medical lab testing to recreational lab testing? Like I know a um, lot of a lot of labs had a difficult time. Story. Yeah, yeah that sounded like say, a, a tough one. The, man.
2: the trying times with the, the test the switch from medical to rec and basically um, getting orlap accredited is a long process they need to certify your in-house process for testing against um, basically industry standards kind of. And it can be an arduous process if you're trying to validate something to um, Orlap. Um, eventually like um, we think it took up over a year to get accreditation for potency and um, some terpenes and solvents is easier. But pesticide certification because of complexity of the test it's a much more rigorous process to get certified for and like i said that was the make or break point for a lot of laboratories at that point of transition in the industry there used to be a lot more labs in the game that would just offer yeah. a smaller set of
1: tests yeah i remember uh, um everyone had to was going to Pixis for a while because that was one of the only labs that was uh, accredited for for pesticides off Absolutely. the bat so people were outsourcing that um you know their tests for a bit i believe we
2: did that too yeah i think nice. alex said that we used to outsource our pesticides to Pixis as well because they like you're saying they were the only one certified
1: at the time yeah exactly
0: dang that's crazy so they they were like they already had the certification so uh, yeah, we, could could. Do, we could do weed give us a license
1: yeah, because I re- I think they're originally a food lab. I could be wrong, but there there's some no, other lab right. like or, or yeah, a food lab or, or a water testing lab, something something like that. So I think they they had the equipment already. Yeah, and that's very yeah. cool, yeah. man. So
0: uh, what <laughs> other tests besides potency are required for compliance um, in Oregon for medical or recreational marijuana? Uh, so is it like mold? Is it like e, e, e. coli or something like that?
2: You know, actually, the the microbials aren't even required by the state right now. Um, we we offer them for people who want them, but I don't believe they're a requirement. What they do is they measure the water activity, which is related to moisture content, but slightly different. And they use that as um, a test to determine whether or not they believe that it's at that risk for mold or those nature those biologicals
0: so what is that just like the the moisture test the moisture content in the sample like they just judge it off of that
2: or something there's actually there's a slightly different instrument that they have to measure um uh, mo- uh excuse me water content um not water content um moisture, it's content, not the moisture so. content it's slightly different sorry I'm, I'm blanking right now um water activity i apologize so water activity there's a special instrument that you can buy to measure water activity um and without going into too much detail let's just say it, it suffices it's similar to water content but it's what they use in the food industry and stuff too um kind of as a measure there's a cutoff i think it's 0. 0.6 that they use to kind of um predict whether or not uh, microbial growth is possible
0: word yeah because I've I mean not I haven't well I guess sometimes that would happen in the store but it'd have to be sitting there for a while but I remember being in high school and one of the homies scored like a quarter pound of weed and it was some brown (laughs) weed but it had all this white shit growing on it and I was like dude what is that (laughs) <laughs> and it was mold, and he'd say, Man, it's just penicillin, it'll be all right, it's medicine. Like, whatever. I was in high school, and it's bros bro, spend 10 bucks, man, whatever. But it's yeah. uh, that that was probably sitting for a while and was probably pretty moist and grew, grew a bunch of mold on it, so I'm sure that stuff would have failed. But there was uh, yeah, certain instances where people because I did intake at this place called Human Collective for a few months and. Some people would bring in weed that I'm like, dude, this is mold. Like, now I'm like, look that that brown gray piece right there.
2: That's what that is. And they're like, no way.
0: It was weird. Yes, dude.
2: you really should do a full mold test if you want to kind of determine. Like I said, the water activities, it's like a guesstimation kind of, and um, I sometimes you do see samples that do have. Um, indications of mold and stuff on them um, that is kind of troublesome um, especially for patients that are immunosuppressed or at risk for those types of things yeah
0: well do you guys
2: still receive
0: many uh, medical samples as opposed to rec samples to, to test be, at your
2: lab to be honest uh, sir the medical market is kind of is kind of getting squeezed out Um, is the best way to say it. The regulations for the rec market are so strong that they kind of overlook the needs of the medical market right now. And you can still test as a medical grower and stuff like that, but the cost of testing, the burdens are so high that there's so little margins now, you know, not like they were that great anyways to begin with, but that we just don't see that many medical growers anymore.
0: Bummer, man. Yeah, I. That's that's what happened to me, dude. Once they said, you got to get the metric license if you have more than twelve plants. I was like, damn, yeah, man. Yeah,
2: that's exactly what happened. They have to be metric but, compliant now, which.
0: Yeah, you know, but they, and I don't know if this changed, but they also stipulated at that time that you could only sell twenty pounds to the store in a year from your harvest so i'm like
2: what uh-huh. it's
0: like man like i could go pretty big outside like that's whack like what if i pull 50 <laughs> i can only put 20 into the stores like what am i gonna do with the other 30 you know like that's it, a good just...
2: question i don't know if they cap that right now um i, I know the can the number of plants to the canopy size is kind of how they do it i would be surprised if they did that but that might very well be i'm not sure
0: yeah man and a, a lot of my friends and family too went the same route they're like dude it's not even worth it anymore i'm not gonna, i'm not even yeah, gonna do 12 that. plants i'm only gonna do my four i'm just gonna grow my four in my backyard and that's gonna be that i'm like damn man
2: Bummer, yeah and the guys. people that suffer the worst two are the patients that need those you know medical growers to you know keep yeah, them yeah exactly. full and yeah. stuff
0: Cause paying that rec price for your medicine, even with the tax discount is still not feasible for a lot of patients. A lot of patients really counted on that harvest every year to supply them their meds for the, yeah. the rest of the coming year. You know what I mean? And I would even give patients oil too. Like you know, if you're severe, no. here you go. Here's, here's half a slab and check this out. Yeah. Now
2: that's going to, you know, yeah, no, and All that testing required for concentrates is generally at a higher level than for flour. Um, You also have residual solvent testing, and um, generally everything has to be run in duplicate um, to verify for pesticides and solvents.
0: So you got to run the Um, half of the sample once and then run another half of it separately?
2: Yes. Yeah, we do. Um, there's there's the, also the aspect of homogeneity in a product there, too. Um, sometimes people make products that, you know, is 80% THC in one place and 60% in another because of it just not being um, mixed up yeah, well, and that like, can also cause testing
0: problems. Like the, the, the actual cupcake was 60, and then the frosting was like 35 oh. or something, because <laughs> they, they were mixed well, and didn't have to
2: that's, that's a whole nother part of the testing, testing for edibles and stuff. Um, there, there's a lot of science that goes into the preparing of the sample, um, for the instruments that do the testing. Um, when you test something like a, a sugary product of food, um, it can cause problems with the instruments. They so always have to, to spend more time. And unfortunately it's something that we, it's a problem that we struggle with too in other labs. And I know that just as a comment on the industry um, until labs kind of increase their sophistication, a lot of the edible and topical um, producers sometimes suffer a little bit because laboratories have trouble actually measuring what 's in their products accurately
0: yeah man that, uh, I like the chromatography test i've read a bunch of articles that say that 's not as accurate as uh the liquid. The liquid test, liquid
2: chromatography.
0: Yeah, yeah. We used the
2: HPLC is the high pressure liquid chromatography. Um, they used to use gas chromatography for potency, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, there were some there were some aspects to the accuracy of the testing um, with HPLC. You can more accurately measure the acidic cannabinoids, um, which was more difficult to do in gas chromatography. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's just one thing, too, is every lab generally has somewhat slightly of a different of a standard operating procedure as well. And that's, you know, just a comment on the industry as well, that if there's not a consensus uh, methodology in a state, um, generally you have different labs giving out different numbers relative to each other. And it creates kind of an unfortunate scenario where clients get to go shop around for numbers that are higher from place to place. And that's not where we yeah. want yeah
0: Yeah. Objectivity is the goal for me. Cause like <laughs> I, I used to rock with MRX all the time, like as a medical grower uh-huh. and no matter what store I was working at and people like, Oh, I heard you can pay. I'm like, dude, I've got tests back from them that were 14% and I've got tests back that were 26%, you know? And it's, to me it seemed pretty objective, but I I don't know. I I can't vouch for
2: Unfortunately, what anybody else you experienced know, Earlier on in the days of organs uh laboratory testing, I believe there was there was more of an in, you know, there's an incentive to survive just as a company as well. And you know, um people's ethics, especially in cannabis, sometimes are questionable just because there's yeah. not a there's not as much regulation and oversight as there needs to be
0: yeah um,
2: but like i said it might not be malicious too sometimes just one lab does their extraction and process method one way another lab does it different and you know sometimes that can create a difference between one lab measuring cannabis at, you know 18 percent and another one measuring it at 25 percent per se and it could be the same cannabis and it might not be their fault they might just Um, there's a lot of things on our end of the lab too, that can cause variation in the results that we give our clients. Word.
0: So, uh, I guess my next cookie cutter question is what are some of your concerns for the industry from your point of view? Um, I I remember talking to you on the phone, you had something to say about the solvents and the extracts.
2: Yeah. Um. So solvents are—we see a lot of solvents and extracts across the industry, um, like and it's really up to the purged. state to decide. Yeah, and and to be honest, it's it's difficult to kind of get everything out. Um, it's uh, you know I'll, I'll concede that at some point, you know, you end up with a very very small amount that's very difficult, if even possible, to get all the way out. But um, yeah you know, we, well, there we a, see that. In a there lot was of, a lot of times
0: uh, where I could taste it, you know what I mean? And the guy would be like, no, I did a 72-hour purge and I'm like, bro, it tastes like, uh, <laughs> you know, it tastes like butane, bro, like barbecue fluid. So not all of it yeah, came out, ethanol, dude, you know?
2: The state doesn't regulate some of the chemicals like ethanol or, um, so there can be a lot of that sometimes in people's products and even if there's a lot of it, um, it's not our mandate to really regulate that. So we just let it go. But I think the, the the biggest problem that I had to put one facing the industry is right now with the CBD hemp boom that's taking place. Yeah, and talk about it, Paul. Talk about it. <laughs> it's so popularized and there's so much money to be made in fake products that that's the biggest thing that people are going to be fighting against is, is that product that you buy that, can you trust the label claim? Um, because it's not regulated. So generally, you know, if you buy an edible that says a hundred milligrams, it doesn't matter if it has 10 milligrams in it, it, it can still be sold with a label that says a hundred milligrams because there's no enforcing body to oversee that. And it doesn't help anybody, you know, pesticides are getting through into products and, um, it's kind of the wild west again hopefully the regulation puts it back into its place but i feel like the people that are suffer the people that will you know is going to deter people from wanting to depend on cannabis in the future necessarily if they if they can't believe what they're buying and cbd i feel is like the biggest risk for people especially in arizona too where you know you guys are further yeah. away from a lot of the hemp grows and stuff so yeah man you know how do you guys reliably source good hemp products and stuff and um yeah man going to that's over over outsourcing or sourcing for stuff too is, you know we're we're doing we're we're doing requiring more uh, heavy metal testing that's another type of testing that's kind of popping into the radar um that's cool and that's to look for especially in hemp um to, to look for like lead and arsenic and mercury cadmium um so those are just another way that, you know, there's, it's something that we, we haven't looked at too much as an industry. So we can't really comment on how safe we're being with people.
0: No doubt. But no we're starting doubt. to
2: do that more and more now.
0: So what, what sort of number would you put on, uh, the amount of solvents that are in extract extracts that make it to the shelf? Like, can you
2: ballpark a figure for us or something? <sighs> Uh, you know, it, it's going to depend on the process of extraction. Uh, obviously, butane is one of the most popular. Um, I would say that you know, of butane products, I mean, I, I think for Oregon, the measured amount is five uh, five thousand parts per billion um, of butane are allowed in a product. And so, you know, without commenting on whether that's too high or too low, just for people. Um, you know, we'll see anywhere from, you know, a hundred to a thousand or two thousand. Um, probably about thirty percent of the time. That's, and that's you Damn. know just real ballparkish. But you know, um, so within twenty, below twenty or thirty percent of the allotted limit. But that's that's pretty common. That um, word
0: yeah well like that i mean as a medical grower too i think it was ten colony forming units for mold oh. is what the the test was so it's like yeah. you could still have mold on your weed when you submit as long as it wasn't a yeah. lot you know and you could still pass it and it could mold. it could mold on the shelf later i remember one of my homies made yeah. some bubble hash and when he gave it to me i was like dope and then a couple months later i pulled it out and it was moldy i was like ah
2: yeah the store and sometimes too you know somebody will take weed that was dried right and it'll get wet um in storage or on its way to storage and that can to cause it too um some people don't realize if you take like weed from a hot environment to a cold environment things like that too can cause water to condense out and anytime you get enough water somewhere it's just going to happen there's nothing you can do about it
0: no doubt okay paul so we have a question from one of our youtube viewers um so if the business was to fail their lab test like do they have a chance to get it together before the next test or do they have like can they give you another sample and then are they allowed so many fails before they get shut down or like how does how does that process work out do you guys get very many fails
2: Um, you know, people, the people that have made it this far in the industry, um, you know, they've gotten a lot better at reducing the number of fails that they, that they receive. I would say, so it depends on the type of test. Let me just say that first. Um, they do allow some tests to be, uh, redone. Um, certain solvents can be remediated. Others or others cannot be pesticides. I think um, piperonyl butoxide is the most common pesticide we see on stuff, and if you fail for is that, the state Avid? will actually give you the ability to remediate it. You know, AVID is one that we see infrequently, thankfully, but that's one of the ones that has a, a systemic pesticide, I believe, and those ones, if you fail for that, you cannot remediate. So, yeah. um, so some tests, you're done. If you fail, other tests, you can kind of correct um concentrate they can go back and if they have too much butane they can again remediate but they can take it back and put it through another turn it example re- yeah Word. so you can redo yeah. those kind of tests but for you know for an ingestible maker if you know you're trying to sell a 50 milligram cookie and it's only 40 milligrams um you get like one retest and then unfortunately that batch is no good anymore
0: Okay, I think that's uh Anthony Smith calling in. Oh. um, I don't think that's on my my app. It must be somewhere over there um it's Mitchell, okay, sorry, fellas. Can you guys turn the ringer off somehow? okay, so let's uh let's move on to our next question, I guess. Um, what are some of your current goals and ambitions in the industry? (laughs)
2: Um, you know, I think, uh, I, with the change Canada's made recently to open up cannabis, um, you know, across the country, America's really behind eight ball now with, uh, just seeing some of the size of companies coming out of Canada. I think America, I'd like to see. You know, the United States changed their laws so that we can start, you know, competing on equal grounds with some of the other countries that are getting into the game. I think that's kind of a goal, but also just I don't want the medical side to be forgotten in this whole process towards rec, because I remember that's how it started. That was what opened up the door for everybody. And I think that we've got to keep, you know, acknowledging that or recognizing that and not forget about it, because those are the people that allowed us to get to where we are today
0: word okay man good answer um are there any (laughs) other ideas or concepts that you want to uh promote in the future
2: um i you know now that i've worked in the laboratory side of things um i encourage farms to really try to Start conversations with the labs to better understand um, the testing side of things, um, because I think that that's that that safety aspect to the cannabis industry is so important for the longevity of it. Um, that that would kind of just be my overall message for things. Just <laughs> don't don't. I remember hating testing, being on the processing and production side of things because it's so inaccessible, but um, I do think it's very necessary now that I've seen all the craziness that can go on behind the scenes without it.
0: Yeah, dude, I, I agree. And that's, I mean, for real, being where I'm at in AZ, I'm like, man, I just assume everything's dirty and sprayed with all kinds of poison, but
1: yeah, be uh, probably, probably, assumption. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so um it makes me miss Oregon at times, but I get to go back and visit a few <laughs> times a year. So
2: Yeah, please stop by and see us if you're in the area.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I'll hit you guys up for sure. Do you wanna plug your social media or anything before we wrap up the interview?
2: Um, no, just thanks, uh thanks for having us on again, um, Reverend Chem History and uh my little company, Swift Solutions. I really appreciate you having me on and asking me all the questions and stuff. And I uh, hope you guys have a good rest of your uh, podcast. <laughs> well,
0: dude, we appreciate Absolutely, you taking man. the time. Cause uh, dude, I've never worked in a lab at all. And I was like, I feel like we should cover this on the podcast, but I, you know, I'm, you really shined a lot of light on the way stuff works. And it, it's cool, dude. Like, thank you for uh, taking the time and answering our questions. Cause it, hopefully some, production guys are gonna listen and be like oh okay cool man let's holler at those guys <laughs> i didn't know they did that you know hopefully it's a it's promotion for both sides i hope you know so
2: yeah no real, thank real you positive. for taking an interest in it.
0: and then uh if we have anything else lab related in the future we would definitely hit you up and try to do a follow-up interview man maybe it'll be uh Maybe you'll ball out on your consulting company in the next year and we'll have a bunch of cool questions to ask you about that.
2: <laughs> no, I'd love to. I'd, I'd really like to be on any time A, to inform most importantly, but B, to kind of, you know, there's a lot of exciting things happening in the industry that don't get the spotlight necessarily, but it'd be fun to talk about, but no doubt. thank you very no much doubt. again for your time
0: yeah thank you paul swift Thanks, we appreciate you coming on hope you have a good rest of your night man
1: yeah thank you paul you appreciate you. Have it a good one.
0: all right you, later.
1: Later. later all right what did you think will yeah that was awesome a lot of great yeah. information yeah dude because it, it is like
0: all i know is submitting the sample and that's
1: yeah i don't i don't know much so that was that was really great to to hear him talk about that i was just listening basically you know because I, I mean you know i i know on the the my side or at least the dispensary side like what you know what we need to include in the labels of you know yeah. what what we, what we sell but beyond that i don't really know any of the science behind it you know or anything other than that so
0: me neither like uh One story is when I was working up in Seattle for my uncle, he had a booth at the Northwest Cannabis Market, uh, 360 Analytical, they were down in Olympia. They were a lab in Washington. Yep. They would come through. They would come through. Okay. Hey, Anthony Smith, I'm going to finish my story and then we're going to start your interview. Okay. Okay. And and so 360 Analytical would come through and there's like 40 vendors in there. And they would slide through and be like, hey, you guys want to test? And I'd be like, I've, I don't have the bucks, you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, we'll do it for free. I'm like, why are you guys doing them for free? And I guess they are they were using the gas chromatography machine. Mm-hmm. And they had it calibrated for, I guess, 30 samples. And so it's like if you didn't put 30 in there, it wouldn't work properly. And so they would just try to fill it up with whatever. and they would bring totally. you the card and then the sheet the sheet printed out with the results. So I was like, man, shoot, here, try this OG Kush. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, 360 Analytical uh, used to test for us uh, for the Leaf, like when we had products that we would review. Uh, and they used to do it for free. We just uh, had to, you know, shout at them, uh, you know, gave them a little credit on the, um, on the bottom of the page. So,
0: tight, tight. Yeah, they're cool. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, we have. Guest here on Concerned Dabs podcast this evening, we have Anthony Smith from Is it Evo Labs? Is it Evo or Evio? Evo, Evio, Evio Labs. Awesome, awesome. So, how are you doing tonight, sir?
3: It's like the bigger city that's uh, you know like the first big city on I five as you come into uh, Oregon as you're heading north, and then okay. we also have a lab in Portland, Oregon. That's our uh, Oregon ops.
0: Um yeah. Also
3: California, Florida, Colorado, Massachusetts and Alberta, uh Canada.
0: Dang, dude, that's awesome, man. Big things, yeah, big projects. Yeah. So like uh would you say that it's easier to do your job in Canada than it is in this country for for your company at
3: uh, least? Uh in a, uh, I, am not sure if it's easier. I mean, the the pesticide list in particular is pretty technical. In Canada, it would be more as if um, it, it, it's as if in the United States, uh, like the way FDA requires uh, certain drugs and, and things to be tested, it would be more like that. Um, in Canada, they're a, uh, a pretty expensive pesticide list. Um, they use the same solvent, residual solvent, and, and microbiology testing uh, that you would see, you know, in like food and pharma. Um, so it's pretty nice. stringent. I, I wouldn't say it's easy. Um, that's for sure. Okay.
0: Good answer, man. So how it's did you It's easy that you can your... mail
3: samples around
0: yeah (laughs) yeah that's all that's all i know about it bro like that's all you know i've (laughs) I've never worked at a lab before so i'm really glad that both of you guys could come on and answer some questions because that's all i know is sending in the sample either as a grower or a dispensary guy so i uh okay i appreciate you man uh how did you find yourself How did you find yourself in the cannabis industry, like in this part? Like, did you go to school for something else? Or did you have this in mind
3: when you were getting your education? Um, I had it in mind, uh, I guess, as a young uh, chemist. You know, honestly, uh, we used to sneak into, you guys were talking about a GC earlier, we used to... We used to inject cannabis samples into a GC um, in our organic lab in undergraduate chemistry. And um, of course, we didn't, we didn't have <laughs> access to any standards back then. But we could deduce, um, like from, because most weed would have this one high peak, so we could deduce that was THC. And some weed had, uh, you know, three peaks. And uh, like if it had a little bit bigger second peak, we figured out that was probably CBD. And then this third peak, we assumed was CBN, Um, but I didn't. Dude, that's awesome, man! That's awesome. (laughs) That's back in the like the early (laughs) nineties. Very cool, Um, dude.
0: Very cool.
3: But I um, I went to school um, at Oregon State University for my graduate work um, and worked at the Linus Pauling Institute, and I've always been fascinated with. nutritional um, biochemistry um and like human uh, physiology and performance and so in graduate school i worked a lot on uh, nutritional supplements um, and vitamins and sort of working on uh, biochemistry uh, of different things vitamin c and lipoic acid and and some other like food um like food chemistry and i was super fascinated uh by all that technology and i um i worked for um a number of years after school you know uh, formulating and testing and also doing research on nutraceuticals uh, and and um, commercial uh, dietary supplements like for sports and athletes and things like that and and even uh, like pharmaceutical grade preparations of herbal medicines. So, uh, I, I didn't intend to go into cannabis, but, uh, along about the mid two thousands, I started to, uh, realize or, or imagine that, you know, there was going to be some commercialization, even if it was on the medical side. Um, yeah. And guys were again at that time starting to ask me to you know do potency testing and stuff. Um, yeah. So man, I he's a chemist. A he, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I had a GC in my garage um, after about you know 2012, I think, um, and that was super interesting. And then I was working at a at a company um, designing and building. Uh, Medical diagnostic uh, devices so things that to uh, these little instruments to test for uh, like parasites and bacteria and things like that and um it wasn't that exciting for me um, and I just saw commercial cannabis like emerging um, so I quit my other job in late twenty thirteen um, and I opened a lab in southern Oregon and uh, back then it was called Kennevere Research. In 2014, oh, I remember and, that, uh, dude.
0: Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that, that was yours.
3: Yeah.
0: Awesome, yeah that That's cool. We had the guy from here. That's dope.
2: <laughs> well, cause um, we had a lot of yeah. uh,
0: we had a lot of growers in Southern Oregon that were on the shelf at Natural Wonders when we were okay. just a medical dispensary. Yeah. So we we would see your guys' labs, and they seemed a lot more right thorough on. than everyone else's. You know, so we were impressed.
3: Yeah, I had come out of doing, um, you know, like ISO accredited work, um, you know, for lab stuff and also for manufacturing. And it just kind of made sense to me. I thought, well, once cannabis farmers get commercial, um, it's going to be like a high-end commodity and they're going to need all this sort of safety and and potency and purity information. And um, for the most part, I would say, yeah, the industry, you know, does and has appreciated it, but a little bit not at times <laughs> but yeah. um well you know, i know the the test is more expensive out.
0: yeah it's more expensive now that it went wreck and the batch size is a lot larger and so is the sample size so i don't know yeah. i just feel i feel like small mom and pop guys just feel phased out you know and and that is what's happening but it's like man that's that's the business at least you can still grow your four at home you know not have to do any paperwork. I think that's still a good idea, you know?
3: Yep, it's true. Um, I don't think California has that rule, but Oregon definitely allows, uh, um, I think Uh, any given household or individual can have four plants. That's the mom and pop of today, I suppose.
0: Yeah, man, I agree. Everything else is going super huge. Um, I guess that kind of relates to my next cookie-cutter question is – what was the transition like going from medical to recreational for like the ORLAP certification and all that?
3: Um, for us, when we got started in early 2014, yes, at that time it was all medical, like a commercial medical, right? Because dispensaries opened about mid-2014. Um, yes, and we're sir. To sell materials. And before that, uh, there wasn't batch controls and and that sort of stuff, which I was used to seeing more like on in herbal commodities, you know, if you buy echinacea or golden seal, you know, in bulk uh, from overseas or anything, obviously, there's all this sort of batch traceability and and stuff. And um, nobody had really much clue what that sort of stuff was. But um, other than that, it's. It's just got like a a lot more regulatory like paperwork and software related things. It's really the only thing I think different that that commercial, or or so-called rec, uh, is different from the lab's perspective. Um, you know, like from the growers and producers and distributors and even retailers, it changed a lot. I I, I don't uh, I don't underestimate that. But from the lab's perspective, uh, the the testing stuff at least the way we started, um, I I thought right away that people would want or accept or I'm sorry, expect uh, a lab to be ISO um, accredited 17.025. And so when we opened, we were not accredited for that. But we were striving to be and organized and sort of on that level for data realization. Um, But I didn't, you know, I, I hadn't anticipated that it would be you know they would go with orlap which is something very similar to iso but um so, so you think there is the,
0: the orlap's not as thorough or whatever as those other accreditations you were talking about
3: um i would say in some senses it's a little more thorough honestly um it, they the, like the core like the, the the, the core code or what or whatnot of iso and and tni which is what orlap follows uh, that's the name of the standard it's fundamentally the same um, but you know orlap uses this tni or uh and it's more evolved out of uh environmental testing so uh a bunch of it is sort of non-congruent with what we do uh on a day-to-day basis in the lab um, so, you know, it's been a, like a big learning curve for Oralap uh, to even kind of understand not just the cannabis stuff, but just some of the laboratory things that we do because it's just not normal compared to Enviro Labs, which really work with like usually just water and soil. Uh,
0: yeah, dude, it's really good to hear this perspective on it. Uh, uh, one of our <laughs> IT guys has a question. He says, what What it Like that's an accreditation besides Oralap? that a lab can uh, receive in order to do business
3: or something? Right. So ORLAP is Oregon Environmental Laboratory Accreditation Program, right? So it's an office of the state that's managed by OHA, and they will accredit labs to a a lab standard. And the standard that they use is called TNI or uh, the – I forget what it stands for the NELAC institute i think and NELAC is national environmental laboratory accreditation council or something like that so uh tni is the standard or a book of like how you organize uh your lab and how you realize data and qualify data and, and benchmark not only your accuracy and precision um uh, but also measure your uncertainty and all sorts of specifications you know about traceability and things like that um Very ISO 17025 cool, is an international standard that is for analytical uh. laboratories and where where TNI is focused on environmental labs uh 17025 ISO is general analytical lab um international standard So, you can use the Orlap agency to get accredited uh, to that TNI, uh, but there are a number of, you know, third-party independent accreditation institutes that will accredit a lab for ISO. Um, So, ISO 17025 is pretty much everywhere else but Oregon. Um, So, our California, Florida, Oregon, um, and Massachusetts lab are all ISO 17025 accredited, not, not Orlap TNI stuff.
0: Wow. I did not know that, dude. That's very, uh, very good information. Man.
3: They're mostly um, the same, these standards. There's some nomenclature, but like the fundamentals in the, uh, 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 they're about the same. Yeah.
0: Dang. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, same guy. He Can you please stay, uh, say which States you're in as far as labs again? Can you say that one more time down the list? Ye-
3: Sure. On the West Coast we are in Portland and Medford in Oregon. Um, and in Medford. Berkeley, California. Berkeley. And, tie, dude. Yeah, and we think we just I think we had a press release so I can say this, but we're opening a lab in um Costa Mesa, Orange County. Um Yo. and so that'll be a while before it's open for service, uh but you know that that's our newest project. Um, Denver, Colorado, and two sites in Florida, uh, Davie, which is near Fort Lauderdale and Gainesville. Um, Those both have evio labs um, and Florida uh, map. Yes. And then Massachusetts. Damn. And in Canada, um, Edmonton, Alberta
0: dope dude very cool man i didn't know you guys were that large like that's that's dope you gotta toot your company's horn a little bit right there anthony that's that's awesome
3: it's um, been a exciting project i definitely i definitely would say that
0: <laughs> so are, are you guys busy. gonna uh, are you gonna be publicly traded in the future or something like that because that sounds like a, we a are. company are set up to win what's what's the name of the the stock on that
3: it's evio so we are on the pink sheets uh our stock is evio yep tight
0: dude i'm gonna tell my grandpa too i am be like hey listen to this podcast awesome. grab, grab a few of those right there grandpa he's he's about that life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right that's good to hear yeah okay
0: so uh <laughs> How many pesticides do uh, Oregon labs check for, for compliance
3: on a REC test? Mm, That's a good pop quiz. Uh, I think there are 59 (laughs) like reportable compounds, but there are probably 61 or 62 that we test for on the mass spec because a couple of them get um, added together. Okay,
0: cool. Like it's the same compound in two different products or something like that.
3: Yeah, exactly. And then um, in particular, like uh, pyrethrin is a a, a quote as a natural product. And it's actually a composition of, I think, three different um, molecule types in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember guys
0: failing for that after labs went wreck, and that was their complaint. Is like, man, it's made from a flower extract; it's not toxic. And my man, it, it fails. It fails. I, I don't. That's not my job, dude. I just, you know, I can't put it on. Yeah, the show. totally. <laughs>
3: yeah, other stuff is like that too. I mean, uh, there there are other pesticides on on pesticide lists that are sourced from natural sources. Uh, doesn't mean it's you know good to eat just because it's natural.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt I agree, man. So uh, what other tests besides potency and pesticides are required for compliance? Um, on, in on Oregon test, or medical
3: test Sure. in Oregon, they also require uh, moisture content, which is just the percent uh, weight of the sample, which is water that's required on flour but not not any other products Um, residual solvent analysis is required on most concentrates like unless they've been uh unless they're like pressed products or like teeth um or you know products like that that aren't extracted with uh solvents um
0: yeah you guys do do you guys do the water there's the water test on on rosin or anything like that that doesn't use solvent like do you guys still do the moisture test on those
3: no because those are usually um yeah there's no requirement um by the state to get those done uh moisture content or water activity um Ah. those are tough to test like you can tell if there's water in those right they're they're like foamy or or uh, off-colored usually yeah man you see some white on a
0: dark piece of hash i'm like what is that it looks like mold oh, Yeah. no it's cool man it's yeah. cool it doesn't <laughs> look cool bro man. it's water those ones, man yeah um yep. so okay so my next uh cookie cutter question do you guys still receive mm-hmm. any medical samples to test from medical growers do you guys receive many of those anymore
3: yes absolutely there's Still is uh, a slice of uh, commercial cannabis in Oregon, and when I say commercial, I say you know like you can buy it and people can sell it. Um, that's that's um, done through the medical program. Absolutely, uh, most of the ones of any size are being required um, to use the metric seed to sale tracking system, just like the, the OLCC, red yeah. guys are. Um, yep. So, yes, it still is there. And then um, there's still a fair bit of of medical stuff that's, you know, just like the olden days, like it's it's free or exchanged between uh, growers and patients. And that isn't technically required to be tested, um, but we do see a lot of uh, like walk-in testing or sometimes what we call informational use testing where... Uh, rather than all the commercial route and the requirement for sampling and paperwork and reporting, uh, people just bring their own materials in and just request the test that they want.
0: That's cool. So you guys still do that. You don't – like a recreational license isn't required. You can still bring in your medical card and be like, hey, I I grew this Absolutely, or I made yes. this hash. You guys, Can you guys run a test on this? How much does it cost? And you guys will still do business with that Absolutely. person. Absolutely. That's awesome, sure. man. That's very yep. cool. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my next cookie cutter question, Anthony, is what are some of your concerns for the industry from your point of view?
3: Uh,
0: hmm,
3: that's a good question. Some concerns.
0: Yeah. It's concern Dabs podcast. We try, you know, we try yeah. to talk about it's and not necessarily to be worrisome. It's just like, hey, like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is cool but we should work on this, you know, because this is so cool.
3: Well, one thing, you know, I mean, we just, you can see it in this historical record as states go recreational and require not just lab testing, but like all of the regulatory stuff that's involved with it, like the tax tracking and the seed to sale and the analytical testing. Um, When that happens, like uh, there's this, a commercial whiplash that happens right uh, the first time the gates are open uh all these investors have invested and and uh, put farms and there's just like a massive amount of production um and then after about a year and this happened in washington it happens in oregon it's starting to happen in california you just get all this over production and oversupply of materials and then you know the farmers take it the worst, uh, the price of, you know, of grade A cannabis plummets, um, yeah, that's something dude. to be concerned about, right? Cause like it's, it's, we need to make it a, like a viable, uh, commercial industry. And it's tough. Um, when you see that super volatility in price, like, um, I, it was like dude. in 2017 in Oregon. Bro.
0: It it's like if I could have stayed there and and exported, it would have been awesome. But I couldn't. Like for real, <laughs> 2017, I was like, "This is it. Like I'm done. Like I can't do this anymore. Like it's fucking everywhere out here, and I just can't. Yeah, get the number that I want. You know what I mean? So it was a
1: bummer, yeah,
3: dude. And I feel like and a part lot of that those... is the the... Like the the restriction of it still being federally illegal until so you can't export yeah. it like that would that would smooth out a lot of the economic instability. Um, when these industries I agree. Um, turn on I agree. because I feel like, like if Ohio or um, or Illinois, you know, if they want to legalize uh, cannabis, you know, those are not efficient or good places to grow. Um, so I those agree. kind of states, if they could say, "Well, we're going to legalize like the commercial sale of it, but not the the commercial growing of it," and then they could just import it from Oregon or California, where it's already tested and it's a really good to, place to grow. Um,
0: yeah, man. You know, Oregon I only. Agree.
3: Oregon doesn't even have five million That's people, and it produced you know, a couple million pounds of marijuana in a very short time. Of surplus.
0: Yeah, two years, bro. Like, that's, every article says, like, 1.2 came down each year, like, after it went wreck, and only 350,000 pounds moved through the store, so in my head, I'm like, there's, like, a million and a half just sitting there, you know, doing nothing, turning brown. Yep. Like, if those guys could ship it to another state, they wouldn't be stressed out and not being able to pay their bills and kicking themselves in the balls for putting all their money into it because the guys who have millions yeah. of dollars are not stressing it because they, they can suffer through this and not have it hurt them but the mom and pops like man, I it's sad bro, like all that surplus like the price is plummeting and it. those
3: guys yeah. can't you I can't agree. transfer
0: it out of state on metric man, it's on the computer
3: so just going right. to sit there you can't you can do almost nothing with it really
1: yeah, and uh, I mean have, you know should have legalization is
3: yep
0: yeah they just started doing that this year right Anthony capping licenses
3: they did um, They most of uh, 2018 uh, They hadn't capped it, but they were going to, like, stop working on them, or so they said. But now they have capped it, yeah, for sure. Um, Damn. Because the OLCC is not even, you know, uh, uh, muscled up even enough to, like, do the basic work, you know. I mean, there was a pretty scathing report came out. Uh, by the Oregon Secretary of State in uh, January, February, about the OLCC. And it seems like they've kind of done a crappy job um, from that report. (laughs) Um, Damn,
0: I'm going to have to look that up. Maybe we can get that lady on the show, man.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you should look that up.
0: Well, because we called OLCC to be on our regulation episode and they didn't call us back. The the liquor guy did, but the cannabis guy did not. And so I was like, man, he was like, well, I had this. Oh, yeah. I'm like, sorry, dude. I'm like, I looked up the faculty on the website. I'm like, you were the beer guy or the alcohol guy. I wanted to talk to the cannabis guy. He's like, oh, tell him you called. I was like, I left the voicemail with him too. He didn't hit me up. So maybe he is super busy. I don't know. I'm not, I am not don't want to be a government apologist or anything so I just uh I I just figured nobody from government would want to come on the show and answer questions about how good or bad of a job that they're doing you know I'm yeah I'm not
3: surprised (laughs) yeah me neither that'd be a fun show though uh uh, they've gotten beat up pretty bad in the press I know that yeah I,
0: I agree man gotta be tough to work in that building Especially if you're a boss, you know. Um, so, my next cookie cutter question uh, what are some of your goals and ambitions in your current position at the company you're
3: at? Uh, some of my goals and ambitions. Well, um, I really like chemistry and analytical testing. Where? But what I'm super passionate about is, uh, you know, there's all kinds of interesting uh, biotechnology um, and manufacturing technology and even agricultural technology. um, That's already for cannabis, like all sorts of interesting, cool applications. So I'm excited about um, as the industry matures, um, you know, not only this mission of um, Uh, about public safety and um, and quality of control that the labs do um, but also starting to add in um, biotechnology services Um, a couple of those things uh, stuff that we get asked about and even work on um, more and more is uh, cell culture um, which is kind of like a laboratory test tube automated way, if you will, for doing uh, clones. Um, Oh, yeah, I've read about Uh, that. Yeah, uh, the use of PCR to do genetic sequencing uh, of strains, uh, which helps in sort of uh, farming and sort of the IP development aspect of breeding. but also in sort of the like the commercial output um, uh, kind of realm, uh, the use of uh, we're also using PCR for like uh, sex identif- rapid sex identification, um, also uh, like microbiology suites of testing uh, for like large greenhouses uh, or manufacturing spaces where you know, they have, they can't afford uh, to a loss of a couple clicks of efficiency. Um, so we'll do uh, biological swabs from all around uh, the, the greenhouse and growing and media prep areas and, and help growers find. Um, Where the know, problem fungi, points are. bacterial Yeah, exactly. hmm
0: yeah like man Um, it came from this bucket dude i told you to clean that out and try it man you just cleaned it and left it sitting like on on its bottom man you're supposed to turn it upside down and now we got mold exactly blame this guy fire this man (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh that's that's cool dude um it's it's cool that you have ideas and and like a place that you want to go besides where you're at. Um, The next cookie cutter question is what what sort of ideas (laughs) and concepts would you like to promote for the future? um, Besides the biotechnology stuff that you talked about? Uh,
3: You know, the the concepts like that, that I try to uh, preach about, I guess, if you will, is like, um, uh, because Uh, cannabis industry in general is like this uh, amazing and diverse, uh, culture all of its own, but because of prohibition, it's been, uh, you know, kind of marginalized or, you know, we have always felt like, you know, this other thing, right? And now, um, it's commercial and, um, people sometimes, uh, well, people got to realize like in all aspects of it like the basic business rules apply you know quality assurance safety um you know efficiency and so uh you know there's a there's a way to kind of keep keep uh, ourselves you know unique um but you know the you know the rise of like organized quality assurance uh in farming and in manufacturing like it leads to better and cleaner products and it improves you know, all aspects of people's experience, whether it's recreational or commercial or medical. And so, uh, you know, this is uh, kind of the, the one that I like to, like, I guess, you know, chant about the most is like, if you're going to farm or if you're going to extract or if you're going to manufacture, you know um treat it like an art but also treat it like an engineered science right keep logs and track things and understand um you know all of the materials um that you input into it because at some point um it's you know it's you know with with art you can spend millions of dollars to make a beautiful thing and it's it's empirically beautiful but in a commercial aspect like it can't cost you a million dollars to make something that you're going to sell, you know, for a million and one dollars. Like that's not a business, right? So all across the board, um, you know, traceability, um, and tracking and understanding it makes better products and more efficient use of like all these, all these resources.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Is there any questions that you want to ask? Will?
1: Um, um, yeah, this, this one's kind of. I guess I should ask this earlier, but uh, how does the sampling work with uh, you guys? Do you guys uh, like drive out to growers and, and pick up samples at the farm, or do, do you uh, have them come to you? How does that? How does that work?
3: So, in the Oregon context, and California is very, very similar. Um, it's I't will say it's impossible, but it's very impractical uh because of the metric seed to sale transport rules uh for clients to bring their batches to the lab i mean it 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 can be done at, like sometimes we do it like with small batches and things, but for the most part, yeah, we drive out, so we've got a small fleet of cars um and field technicians who are you know highly trained. Um and they have a lot of paperwork and traceability that they have to maintain. Um Orlap does uh follow up and audit on all of that stuff regularly. So yeah, um generally uh with our laboratories we've got field techs going out to farms, yeah, on requests. Um, sometimes it's a regular schedule. And then uh the materials are all there in organized batches, uh maximum fifteen pounds. Um There's a specific set of rules uh, put out by Orlap uh, that requires to, you know, based on the exact sample size, you know, the number of increments to be collected and how much total mass, I think it's 0.05% of the batch size uh, required to be collected. Yeah, and then uh, it's all uh, brought back to the lab, like with transfer manifests and uh, metric tags and whatnot. Very cool. man. That's another weird thing, you know, like for labs, like we've been in our laboratories with our white coats uh, with all these, uh, you know, beeping machines and tubes and electronics like we really like focused on that for our whole lives. And then uh, uh, like just a rule rolls over. And now um, we have to add this thing to our business, which is like, like a little mini FedEx, right? Like we have to have hire technicians uh, and buy cars um, and have them drive around and figure out mileage and costing on the business side. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild.
0: like
3: in chemistry is how to run a yeah that's like a a a logistics major
0: (laughs) yeah like i I deliver i deliver packages for amazon and i'm a 1099 employee so i have an app that tracks my mileage so i can write it off when i do my taxes and all that too so i can imagine like you guys yeah we're trained to do something totally different so that's, that's something new to learn you know what i mean and Hire people yeah, too, because man, because hiring people that are solid too is difficult, dude, and it's with paperwork and stuff too. A lot of people are just not right. Yeah, you
3: you have to hire super solid people that do that, because not only are they driving the company car, but they're going out to you know actually be face to face with all of our key clients. Um, yeah, some of these places are. Uh, way out in the middle of nowhere these ranches uh, some of them are big commercial ops you know so yeah it definitely requires a you know a professional uh, person no doubt no doubt
0: so uh, is there any social media or anything you want to plug before we conclude this interview do you have a any, anything for yourself going on on IG
3: or are you, are you that active I don't, I don't know like you what know kind of i am but things. only uh for my skiing and mountain bike exploits <laughs> Uh awesome dude that's cool what's uh do you want to plug that
0: on here man i'm sure you can gain a few more followers and oh that guy's a cannabis lab testing guy cool and he rides mountain bikes
3: <laughs> uh let's see I, I think i'm a smith uh out riding a smith out riding yep a Smith that's outrighted. what I'm usually doing if I'm not uh, working in the lab awesome,
0: awesome dude awesome well we really appreciate you taking the time out on your vacation to talk to us dude we know it's a three day three day weekend and you're probably doing something awesome with your family or something so um,
3: yeah Jonathan really appreciate I appreciate you getting, you getting in touch with me and um It's been exciting because like I'm just kind of uh, sitting in the backyard uh, talking on the phone, but I'm going to go listen to this podcast and uh, I'm I'm super excited to hear how it goes. Uh, So I appreciate you reaching out and um, yeah, maybe let's collaborate, see if there's some cool stuff we could work on.
0: Yeah, man, I'm down. I uh, I'll hit you up before the next time I come to Oregon, and then um, I'll text you the Spotify link once we got it, and then the YouTube should be okay. up shortly shortly after we're done. So um, you, you should be okay. able to look at that. But if not, I'll, I'll text you both by Monday or Tuesday, and then um, we'd love to have you back sometime in the future and do a follow up interview also.
3: Sure thing. Um, I love Arizona, too. I'll be out there mountain biking this fall, probably. So maybe we'll see you out there.
0: Okay, cool, man. Cool. Yeah, hit me up, dude. You got my numbers. Let let me know. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, Yeah, man. Have a good rest of your night, Anthony Smith. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Talk to you later. Good night, gents. Yep, later. All right. Will, what'd you think about him,
1: Will? that was awesome
0: yeah dude yeah super sharp man like because yeah like i said before i I know nothing about this job man and it's cool to hear them talk about the processes and everything because that is man efficiency is a real thing if it if it takes forever to do something then it costs more on the price sheet you know what i mean so and those guys went to mad school So I'm sure their salary is probably pretty high, you know? Yeah. So if if they're on the clock, it's like, man, it's a a lot more expensive. Absolutely. Um, But I I guess that's uh, that's pretty much it, folks. That was our sixth episode. I'm going to go ahead and do our outro dance. This has been the sixth episode of the Concerned Dabs podcast. I am your host, KDM Kane. With me was my co-host, Will Terps. I got to give a shout out to my production crew. That's Mitchell Wilson and Jesse Curry. This has been a main node and Joseph street enterprise production.